This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03 on June 8th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for the Wednesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Hart. It's wedding season and business is more than booming. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now the price of gas is well above $5 a gallon in many places and there doesn't appear to be any relief in sight. We're joined by Patrick DeHaan, a senior petroleum analyst at GasBuddy.com based here in Chicago. Patrick, is there any end in sight or are these prices just going to keep on climbing? Well, Rachel, I think the the answer is complicated, but for now, we will continue climbing. The Chicago metro area is now averaging about $5.94 a gallon, though if you're in the proper city limits, you're going to find prices over $6 a gallon. The national average now just $0.04 away from that $5 mark. Oil prices up nearly $3 a barrel. Wholesale gas prices also jumping up by about $0.06 a gallon. So it does not appear that we're going to see a slowdown anytime soon. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that there could be more complications this summer with hurricane season. Uh, We are very tight on refining capacity. uh, And if there's any issues this summer, we could go even higher. You're talking about more restrictions coming during the summer at a time when more people are out traveling, driving. Is this going to impact summer travel plans? Or do you think people maybe are a little determined to to travel come hell or high gas prices? Well, I I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, And, and, you know, being out in the Chicagoland area over the weekend, it does not really appear that traffic counts are going down. There's plenty of people out there. I think we'll continue to see Americans take to the road for the summer. They may stay closer to home, vacationing in in the region instead of outside of it. But beyond that, Americans kind of sick of wasting time here, losing the last two summers to COVID. And so even amidst high gas prices, it, it does appear that Americans are getting out and about at a very healthy rate. Now, Patrick, help us sort of understand the squeeze behind the surge in prices, because the U.S. doesn't rely heavily on on Russian oil. However, the the EU's ban maybe had a ripple effect. Well, it certainly did. And at the same time, the EU made in its announcement uh, that it would ban Russian oil at the end of the year. Uh, We've continued to see gasoline inventories declining. And so not only is this a situation brought on by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but the fact COVID hit and shut down Uh, over a million barrels of refining uh, capacity per day compared to where we were in 2019. And that's the problem now is that demand is remaining healthy. And uh, specifically here in the the region, the Midwest, gasoline inventories are at their all-time lowest for this time of year. And those records go back over 30 years. So we're in a very precarious situation uh, where there's a lot of demand and not enough supply Refiners operating at about 94% of their capacity, but still, we saw gasoline inventories decline another 400,000 barrels in the region just in the last week. So there's not much light at the end of this tunnel. 
Well, and, and again, we're not even sure when that tunnel is, is going to end. Uh, my, my question to you is any, any hope sort of post-Labor Day, if we'll see any sign of relief? Well, I would hope so. In, in the latter half of the summer, I would expect demand to peak in July, late July, really. Uh, but the concern is that we could see a hurricane, the peak of hurricane season, of course, August and September. So I think barring a major hurricane, we should see some relief into the early fall But, of course, a lot of that is contingent on what forecasters are now predicting to be an above-average hurricane season. Thanks so much, Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst at GasBuddy.com, based here in Chicago. Coming up, couples looking to tie the knot? Well, they're facing a seller's market for sure when it comes to venues and services. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Pent-up demand due to the pandemic is fueling a wedding boom this spring and summer. Let's discuss what could be a very expensive proposition with Ted Rossman, industry analyst at CreditCards.com based in New York. Ted, as someone who just recently got married, I thought it was bad. (laughs) I thought I was in the post-pandemic boom, but it sounds like there's just this new wave of couples looking to tie the knot. That's right. Yeah, congratulations. Um, Yeah, there's data out there that this is supposed to be the busiest year for weddings since 1984, according to the Wedding Report. We're expecting two and a half million weddings this year. And while it's great that we're seeing progress on the COVID front and people are getting back to these kinds of gatherings, it comes at a steep cost. We found that 39 million Americans feel pressure to overspend to attend a celebration this year. That's just people attending weddings, not the people throwing or putting it together. Exactly. Yeah, we know how expensive it is to put on one of these events. But I think increasingly the cost of attendance has gotten pretty staggering, especially when we think about all that's going on with inflation and high travel costs. We actually found back in 2018 that to be in a wedding cost an average of $728 for a member of the bridal party. Um, to attend a wedding of a close friend or family member was 628 bucks, And even a distant friend or family member, it was 372 I have to think all of these have gone up with inflation, more destination weddings, destination bachelor and bachelorette parties. Maybe you're also traveling for the bridal shower, gifts, attire, travel. All these things really add up. Well, and here's the other thing from from the planning perspective of if, if, if we're couples looking to get married, this is classic supply and demand. There is so much demand. These venues are booked up. There are still couples who were trying to get married when COVID first hit, and they're still struggling to find a place, a time, a date to tie the knot. It's really crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I know a lot of people actually in their 20s and 30s, they might be invited to 8, 10, 12 weddings this year, which you know, again, it's a great problem to have, but it really can be a budget buster. My advice would be look into credit card rewards, airline miles, hotel points. Maybe you can cash in some of this value to offset your travel costs. Something like cash back credit card rewards or gift cards could also be put towards various expenses. Um, Also, maybe just getting creative, sharing accommodations and maybe buying something secondhand or going in on a group gift, renting your outfit rather than buying eight new dresses for the eight weddings you're going to. Um, It is really accumulating on people. 
Thanks so much for the fantastic advice. Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com. Up next, it can be hard to find a flight to a small city from O'Hare these days. We'll explain why next. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The number of flights to smaller cities from O'Hare International Airport has dropped substantially during the COVID-19 pandemic. And let's get an update from Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting, based here in Chicago. Ken, great to have you with us. I think a lot of people were expecting a full rebound when it comes to air travel, but uh, not so at O'Hare, at least. Well, that's not totally true. And thanks for uh, speaking with me, Rachel. Uh, the long and short is very simple. Pandemic has hurt the airlines overall because they don't have the pilots, they don't have the crews. And the smaller cities like Evansville, Indiana, out of Chicago, out of O'Hare, they just are being traditionally been serviced by the feeder carriers for people like United and American and or Delta, but United and American, particularly to O'Hare, and those are the carriers like Mesa, SkyWest, Republic, Air Wisconsin. These guys fly smaller planes, 50-passenger planes, and they don't don't have the crews. So they're, if you will, pooling their resources to go to places where they can pull better. Now, the long and short of this is very simple. The bigger airlines, the Uniteds, the Americans, if you want to fly from United, uh, United, the hometown airline, to Los Angeles, no problem. But if you're going to fly to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, as an example, to go see the Little League World Series, and you want to try to go from either a hub like O'Hare or other places, forget it. No one's flying there anymore. So you either have to find a smaller airplane to go with and whatever, or find another airport close by and drive there. This is just the nature of what the pandemic has done to us. And that's just it. Travelers, you know, again, if you're looking to go to one of those high demand destinations, no problem. Plenty of choices. But it is. It's those smaller cities. I'm thinking of like Columbus, Ohio, maybe even Portland, uh, Charlottesville. Columbus, Ohio is not a major problem because that's a fairly big city. But if you want to go to, for example, like Portland, Maine, that could be a problem. In addition, they have a runway out there for the summer. So that does cause a problem because a small airplane trying to land there, particularly in bad weather, may not have the equipment to land uh, on a non-instrument landing system runway. So it'll have to either divert or they cancel it. But the long and short to remember is the airlines back in deregulation, back in the 70s and 80s when deregulation came about, before that, they used to fly like Southwest does, which is a bus. It goes from point to point to point to point. Now, the airlines are flying into hubs where they can bring a bunch of planes in to feed a bunch of planes going out. And if you don't have the crews, you have to start to cut somewhere. So, for example, United, which has expanded service to places, uh, for example, they had another flight to Milan out of O'Hare. It's now twice a, a day. Uh, but if you want to go to Evansville, Indiana, forget it. Thanks so much, Ken Goldstein. Again, a number of flights uh, out to those smaller cities from O'Hare have dropped pretty significantly since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Ken Goldstein is president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, we'll get on the same page financially and talk about why that's important in the early stages of a relationship. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's 12.30. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Personal testimony in Washington illustrates the life-changing impact of gun violence. Chicago police arrest a suspect in a series of crimes featuring a machete. In Personal Finance Wednesday, making sure you have financial compatibility with your partner. And there's a sharp increase in the number of scams targeting job seekers. WBBM Business, the Dow is down. Down 281 points, the Nasdaq down 86, and the S&P 500 down 41 points. AccuWeather says cloudy skies, cooler temperatures with some rain showers today, high around 70 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight, low 54, then sunny skies and much warmer tomorrow, a high of 77. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill today have seen heart-wrenching videotaped testimony from a survivor of the elementary school shooting in Texas. Mia Cerillo is just 11 years old. But in videotaped testimony, she told the House Oversight and Reform Committee about seeing an 18-year-old gunman at Robb Elementary School shoot her teacher then. He shot my friend that was next to me. She was afraid he would come back. So I grabbed the blood and put it all over me. Her tearful father, Miguel, told lawmakers there needs to be change because... Schools are not safe anymore. Allison Keyes, CBS News, Washington. Closer to home, northwest neighbors, neighborhoods rather, like Irving Park, Avondale, and Logan Square recently saw a string of thefts by a robber armed with a machete. And today, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown says 35-year-old Andre Gonzalez has been arrested and charged with four felony counts of armed robbery related to those incidents. Beginning on May 27th, Gonzalez went on a crime spree that lasted nine days. Brown also said that Gonzalez has been convicted five times in the past for robberies and other crimes. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets remain lower this afternoon. We're joined by Tim Grisky, senior portfolio strategist at Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Tim, uh, we're seeing a lot of back and forth, at least at the opening of the market, but now we're sort of dipping lower. What are your thoughts? What are you seeing? Hi, Rachel. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, well, the market has done a big turnaround today. Uh, it did a big turnaround in a positive direction yesterday. We started lower and ended up higher. Uh, today, it's been the other way around. Uh, we were up a little earlier, and now we are down. I think the big news there is that oil prices are spiking up. Uh, they're up over 2% today. Uh, that's been a constant theme for this market and a reason for occasion, the occasional sell-offs we've had. Uh, and we've, you know, we've had a nice uh, bounce longer term in the market since uh, around uh, May 20th. Uh, we're up nicely from that period. Uh, but we've seen this before where then the, uh, the profit takers come in uh, and drive stocks back down. Uh, we hope that that isn't the case this time, but it certainly could be. And some analysts sort of alluding to your point here are warning about that economic slowdown, even talking a potential recession. What, what camp are you in with that? Well, you know, uh, actually, GDP in the first quarter uh, was negative, uh, and there are lots of projections out there for negative GDP in the second quarter. That meets the technical definition of a recession. 
there are revisions to GDP data, uh, but uh, you know we think we probably will see a uh, a shallow recession here. Uh, the Fed is driving interest rates higher to combat inflation, uh, and you know that's a good thing and something that they need to do. But historically, that can result in a recession. The Fed's trying to give us a uh, a smooth or soft landing, just a very gentle decline in growth. Uh, but uh, there's no guarantee uh, of that. And that's why the markets have had a really tough time moving higher uh, in this environment, despite companies having you know, really great results and a lot to look forward to. And the Fed has said that it plans to continue raising those rates by, by half point increments. But we also know, uh, I think this Friday, we've got the CPI numbers coming out. Do you think that's going to maybe change the way the Fed moves forward at all? Well, the CPI isn't the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. It's the uh, PCE index uh, and actually the core PCE index, uh, which ignores energy and food. Uh, And, of course, that's where a lot of inflation is right now. Mm -hmm. I think the Fed is uh, determined to uh, raise interest rates to get to a so-called neutral level. Uh, There is no exact definition of what neutral is, but we think it's either three or three and a half percent. So the Fed has a long way to go here. We have a Fed meeting next week. They will undoubtedly raise rates another half a percent, uh, and that may not be greeted favorably by the markets, although it's been very well telegraphed by the Fed. I think concern is how far the Fed goes in raising rates, how far they have to go to combat inflation, and what damage does that do to corporate earnings? We've already seen a number of companies coming out and reducing their expectations for second quarter earnings. We could see a lot more of that in the coming weeks. And we could see more market volatility. I'm curious, are you getting calls from clients and what's your advice to them? Well, it always depends on the client and the individual uh, and their time frame more than anything else. Uh, Investment money is often there to be used in some way. Uh, If that's a near-term use, potential use, they should be very defensive. Uh, And maybe they don't even belong in the stock market. Uh, If you've got a long-term time frame, you can be in the stock market because we'll look back on this period years from now and it'll hardly be a blip on the on the uh, uh, stock chart so uh, long term you know look for growth look for great companies Uh, in the short term if you've got capital needs uh, be very defensive very valuable perspective thanks so much tim grisky senior portfolio strategist at ingles and snyder based in new york up next in personal finance wednesday making sure that couples share a philosophy on money the wbbm noon business hour continues it's personal finance wednesday now money can be a real stressor in a relationship so let's talk about some ways to avoid conflict with ed jertson certified financial planner and founder of engage wealth group here in chicago ed I think this is a fantastic topic, and I think this is a conversation every couple needs to have, and it's how do you manage your money? Yeah, great to be with you, Rachel. And, you know, for all your listeners out there, it's okay to not be on the same financial page as a couple at all times, because over my nearly 30 years of doing this, very few couples have I've seen have ever been on the exact same financial page and or sharing the same philosophy. Well, and I'm thinking about that. My husband and I are completely different spending personalities. He likes to save. I'm a somewhat impulsive spender. Just our, our habits are different, too, and that's okay, but it's it's helpful to know 
where each other is at. So when it comes to having these types of conversations, what are your key pieces of advice? Well, one of the key pieces of advice, again, like in your case, Rachel, it's to be flexible, right, and to be absolving. So in one case where one is a spender and one is a saver, you can create a strategy where you can develop what I call MAD accounts, which are no-judge accounts, where you know you can reasonably fund two separate accounts and let yourself have at the spending habit of you, you know, whether you want to keep it and save it or whether you want to spend it. So being transparent is probably the the biggest element that I can share with your listeners, right? So no secrets, especially for younger couples who are just starting out. You don't need to share your credit scores or your credit reports. But after, as things become more serious, you want to be more transparent when it comes to things like debt and other things. Uh, debt's a big one. Here's the other big one. Children, they're really expensive. And, and that requires some conversation and some financial planning, too. Yeah. And that's where, you know, my couples who who don't have kids, you know, tend to be, you know, this is going to be sort of a, a an obvious statement, tend to be financial financially better off because of the fact that they're not putting their kids through college and they're not spending on things like sports and other things. But that's where the balance comes in with any conversation, because whether it's it's children or investing or otherwise, you have to be forward thinking when it comes to these things. And again, being flexible and being forgiving with each other is really important in regards to just kind of keeping the financial peace in the family. You mentioned forward thinking, you mentioned flexibility, and and I'm thinking to myself that, uh, at least uh, in my personal experience, one of the conversations we had was, what are the potential scenarios of financial hardship? If you lose your job or if I lose my job, how are we going to manage that? And can we, you know, who bears the load and when? Yeah, and, and that's where those vows come in, right? In good times and in bad, right? Not only in health, but also finances. And again, you're, you're going to be you're going to be supportive of each other when it comes to these things, especially financially, because we don't know where life is going to take us. But whether it's younger couples or, or even older couples, you know, seeking out the services of a certified financial planner that you can either pay a one time or ongoing fee to can be very helpful when you're navigating these difficult waypoints, because having a disinterested third party come in from a professional standpoint and give you advice can go a long way in calming down some of the the challenges that are involved, especially when it comes around money. Thanks so much. Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. His website, engagewealthgroup.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A strong labor market has produced a rise in the number of reports involving job seekers getting scammed. Let's talk about what to watch out for with Rick Cobb, founder of workplace consulting firm To Discern here in Chicago. Rick, what are some red flags to watch out for if I'm looking to apply for a job? Well, well, there's application and there's being sought when you didn't apply. So I think there's two different places. You know, we've had three plus years of COVID and it's made us um, less sensitive to people reaching out via phone or our computer. And yet that's the easiest way for uh, a bad actor to either catch your information or get you into a situation that you don't want to be in. So the first thing is, why would somebody reaching out to you want to hire you unless they had met you, had a conversation with you, talked with you, you had conversations about what you can do and who you'd report to. If those things aren't happening, your radar should go off right away. And the other thing, too, you mentioned uh, is is sort of when it comes to the actual application process. Sure. Yeah. So applications, applications in the beginning certainly should be just very basic information. Uh, you know, you can have some work history in there. You certainly should never be asked to give any personal information. 
You should never be asked to provide any money of any sort. Uh, that, that's a that's a more than a red flag. That's skyrockets going off in the air. Um, even if they, there's sometimes they, they will uh, the, the scammer will actually send money to you in lieu of something to cover the cost of a laptop or equipment, uh, and then they'll want a refund. The bank doesn't have a way to know whether the, the check that was deposited is good or not. There's also a lot of software out there now, both on phone systems and on your laptop or computer, that are bots that are effectively AI just combing uh, combing the world and combing the uh, the Internet for people that they can reach out to and make contact with. Some of them are legitimate uh, and and some of them aren't. Well, that's the other. I, when it comes to scams, I always hear the saying, if it seems too good to be true, it is. And I'm guessing that may also be the case with some job postings. It absolutely is. And when you're looking at job postings, if someone's identified an organization, let's say they give you a name that's a well-known name and it aligns with something that you're interested in, it's not that hard to check that out. When someone sends you an email, look at their email to see if the the structure of the email is it, you know, is it Rick at uh, to discern dot com or is it uh, some other some other version of that? That's a red flag. If you if you have any suspicions at all, just to go in on your computer and type out the name of the company. And even just Google it along with fraud or, or scam to see if there's a connection there. There's a lot of people out there who've already been burned, and you don't want to be the next one. The one that I found um, probably the most uh, nefarious and subtle was a, a few years ago. I haven't seen it happen as much recently. There were people actually sending uh, documents to others on LinkedIn uh, and posing as a friend and to say, hey, Rachel, there's this opportunity looks great, just like something you'd be interested in. Why don't you just let me know if you're interested? And of course, you click on it. And then the next day you're at the bank trying to cancel all your credit cards. Right. Thanks so much, Rick Cobb, founder of workplace consulting firm To Discern here in Chicago. His very legitimate website, the number to discern.com. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly on our website, WBBMnewsradio.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.